0: A brother in Christ, and I am so happy to be your brother in Christ today. I'm always so happy. I'm, I'm nervous. I mean, I'm already sweating through this shirt. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, so don't try to pat me on the back. It's going to get a little squishy. Give me a good five-minute cool down. But I am so ha- I'm always so happy to be sharing with my church family, but even more so, I'm really happy to share with my church family and my ASM family. ASM, where you at? And that's what's up. I'm so happy to be here with your, with, with your students, or some students that you may not know. But I'm so happy to j- have them join you in here. They bring such an energy and such a fun part to preaching. It's 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 like improv meets whose line is it anyways when it comes to preaching in the youth ministry. But with ASM being present, I'm, a lot of our students are still used to how we do things. What we call the hashtag ASM way. I thought that not only, since it's only appropriate, I am the youth guy to give them a little bit of a highlight. Of What we do, but also to give you all a chance to be a part of ASM. What do you guys think? You guys want to be a part of ASM for a little bit? So here's something that we do here in the youth ministry. It's really funny. We do this thing. I am a huge fan of pro wrestling. I know that's going to make people think like this guy's in charge of my kids. This is a grown man. But I am, I am out. You know, we are all sinners saved by grace. We all fall short of the glory of God. And mine is I just like dudes in colorful outfits jumping off high stuff. It's pretty cool. <laughs> But one of the things we do at ASM is we compete for weekly championship belts. For every service we have for Sunday morning small groups, we have the Sunday morning small group title. For Tuesdays, we have the Tuesday title. And for Thursdays, for our new high school group that just launched in February, we have the the Thursday night championship. And what happens is we do something really cool for the kids where they can compete each week in games to win these belts, and for every week that they hold on to them, they get a chance to make an impossible shot. And if they can make the impossible shot, I will buy them a ticket to Disneyland. And me and my wife and the leaders will take them to Disneyland. And so I thought, why not do the impossible shot right here? So what I need is I need Gracie and Grace to come up here now our Sunday and Tuesday night champions. Would you guys come up here? <laughs> so currently, Gracie is our Sunday small group champion. She just won. And Grace is the Tuesday night champion. This is the belt they get once you come up here? So what they're going to do is they're going to evolve you in something. They get one shot each to make the impossible shot, which is all the way in the back, sitting there in this cup. Now, Most of the time, you go, that's impossible. We had a student make it last time who wasn't the champion. They came in and went, what's that? I'm like, that's the impossible shot. If you make it and you're the champion, you're going to Disneyland. They went, that thing? And went in and went, I'm so glad you're not the champion. (laughs) Because it's tax season and I'm a little broke. Yeah, this hasn't come back. But what we're going to do is, you guys, you don't have to make the shot. You have 30 seconds to run into the audience and find someone to take the shot for you. Thirty seconds to pick somebody, pull them up here. They have to come. You on the front stage? Ready? Thirty seconds. Pick someone up here. That has to be an adult. That has to be an adult. All right. All right. I'm an adult. Ozzy's so ready. Ozzy's ready. All right. Ready? Three, two, one, go! Yeah. Thirty seconds here. Thirty seconds. Thirty seconds. Oh, she already got him. Grace has got to pick someone else. You don't know anybody. You have parents. <laughs> Bring him up. Pull him up here. Bring, pull him up here. Pull him up here. Give it up for these people volunteering. Oh yeah, you come and stand by your person. So come on up here. You're going to stand right here on the stage. All right. No, he doesn't. He's going to do it for you. Okay. Why don't you tell everybody your name? Tell everybody your name. I'm Ozzy. This is Ozzy. Ozzy's my brother. He's been my brother for a long time. Not literally blood brothers, as you can see by the skin complexion. Okay. It's kind of the same, actually, except yours is a little bit more colorful than mine. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, Ozzy's been my brother for a while. Ozzy helps out with the worship team here. I've been doing ministry, but more importantly, I've been family with this guy for almost half a decade now, which has been awesome. Ozzy. Yes. Are you ready to make the impossible shot for grace and take her to Disneyland? I was born ready. I was born ready. All right, here we go. Here's what we do in the ASM. Everyone must get their hands ready on their laps. Drum roll, please. (laughs) <laughs> These people might want to duck. Yeah, you guys might want to duck. You got to make it in the cup. Ready? Drum roll, please. And go for it. Go for it. For Disneyland. Ah! All right. Give it up for Ozzy, everybody, and Grace. You are still currently champion. You guys can never see. That's all right. All right. Gracie, you can take it with you. You sit with it. Come on up here. Come on over. Don't be shy. What's your name? Jacob. Jacob, are you ready to make the impossible shot? I'll ever be. As you will ever be. (laughs) Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Gracie, is there any reason you picked him besides the fact that Aussie was already taken? He's your brother? The dad's blind. The (laughs) dad Okay. Alrighty. Are you ready? Impossible shot. Right there. Here we go. Drum roll, please. Three, two, one. Ah. Give it up for our contestants and our champions. It is so awesome again to be here. This is the way we do things at ASM. It makes it more fun. I feel like having games before we like, carry preachers would be really fun. Because then I'd be like, okay. Okay, the hard part is getting them in small groups after that. Because then all I could talk about is I was gypped. I was gypped. Well, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to give credit where credit's due, and we could dive into this message today. Sound good? Let's pray. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, into this place. May you speak through me, God, but most importantly, may you speak through the scriptures and to the hearts of your people this morning. Lord Jesus, I just pray a blessing over all these people, God, and their lives. And Lord, wherever you are doing a work in their lives, Lord, in every aspect, in every way, may your spirit reveal it to them so they could start to see and they could start to understand your plan, their identities in you. We ask this in your blessed and holy name. Amen. Anyway. With daylight savings time, we've been getting a lot more light out. I don't know about you guys, I just feel like it got bright out of nowhere, you know? It's like some days it's raining. I mean, today is a little bit more cloudy, but I look outside. Like, I came out this morning, it looked cloudy. I'm like, might rain today. And I went outside right when we were done with worship rehearsal. I'm like, it is so bright. What is going on here? But it's getting more light out, and it's been beautiful. Like, literally, so beautiful in the springtime. People have been literally waking up and, like, smelling the flowers, or in some cases, Waking up and pulling over on the side of the freeway to take selfies with some flowers. I don't know how many of you guys have got roped into that, but I got roped into that day with my wife. Like, get up. We're going to go. Where are we going? To the flowers. Where? Like outside the apartment? Like, No, like in Lake Elsinore. Honey, there are no flowers in Lake Elsinore. I'm from there. And then pulling over there and then just feeling like the most amateur photographer with my phone out. Are we done yet? Like, jeez. So it, it's, But it's been awesome. I don't judge if you've done it. I mean, I took some photos as well. You could, I, I, would, I would show them, but I feel like they're just too embarrassing because I just do not look happy. I'm just like, it's hot. I'm a big guy. Let's get going to get some lunch. That's what I'm like. But with spring break here and more sunshine, I just couldn't be more aware of how amazing God's creation is. Sometimes I'm just driving in this valley, and I look at the mountains, and I'm like, look how green this is. There is a life Everywhere. And life comes from my God who gave me life. Everything so that I could see and, and look and understand and remember my God. But even when I was a kid, I was so thankful for the springtime and the, and the daylight savings for these longer days. Because one, it meant I could play longer because you had to come home when the streetlights came on. I don't know how many of your parents are like that now. Some of you guys, your parent, your kids are more busy than me, I feel like. But back in my day, there was no schedule for us. It was just like we ride bikes, and then if we're not home for the streetlights on, you're getting a chunklet at the head. That's what's happening, you know? <laughs> but I was so thankful, not just because the light made days longer, but because as – I don't know about you. Maybe by a show of hands, as a kid, I'm not afraid a minute. I was afraid of the dark. How many of you guys were afraid of the dark as, as a kid? Maybe you're afraid of the dark still. And that's okay. I don't judge again, you know? But I was so afraid of the dark. And maybe you were afraid of the dark in this way like I was. When I was afraid of the dark – I would have when, – when, when I was a kid, we had this hallway that went to my bedroom when I was a young, young kid, and the light was at one end of the hallway, but my bedroom seemed like a mile down there. And, of course, my parents, not being afraid of the dark, said, you need to turn the lights off. You can't leave the lights on, which I never understood until probably I realized the reason why people aren't afraid of the dark when they get older is because they get their first electric bill. They go, shut that off. That's more terrifying than whatever the darkness can bring to me. Edison is the greatest monster of all time, not whatever's in there. But you, maybe you guys did this as a kid. You thought for a minute with your childlike wonder, okay, I got it. I'm going to use Bolt this finger on the light switch, and I'm going to outrun the speed of light. That makes sense. I'm only in, like, the third grade. When people ask me how old I am, I don't say a number. I say this many, you know, and just have crooked fingers. And you, I, would, I remember I would... Flick the light off and run as if some creatures would manifest within the millisecond that the light shut off. I run and probably 90% of the time like run into my bunk bed or like trip and fall because it's dark and I'm running. And, I, and then my mom would just yell at us like, what are you doing? Why are you making so much noise? And I thought it was so, it was so funny how, how even as a kid we had this understanding of light and darkness and how the unknowing can make us so afraid. And today, if you guys have your Bibles, we're going to open up to John chapter 8. And I want to share a part of Jesus' ministry where Jesus shines a lot of light. And by what I mean by a lot of light, he doesn't shine a lot of light just on himself. He shines a lot of light on his ministry, but he also shines a lot of light on people who claim to represent God, which would be us. And this story that we're going to talk about even leads to Jesus saying that he himself is the light of the entire world. So I want to pray before we dive into scripture. That's something I always do. One, because I have a hard time focusing. And two, I just think it's some way that I could ask God, you know, God, speak to me through your word. Sound good? I'm a lot of, you know, I have a little bit of a Baptist background when I was in Sacramento. So I'm always a kind of a call and response, like an amen Sound good? How's it going? So don't mind me. You can just be like this this guy, you know, but I'm going to pray for us. Here we go. Lord Jesus, as we dive into your word, may your scripture speak out to us. And Lord, may we just come to understand a little bit of what you're saying through your story, through your ministry, through who you are. Amen. So I want to read this morning to you in uh, John chapter eight. We're going to start in verse two. I'm reading out of the ESV version here for you guys that are following along. It says, Early in the morning, he, being Jesus, came again to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down, and he taught them. In verse 3, it says, Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst. They said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. In verse 5, Now the law of Moses commands us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? They said this to test him that they might bring some charge against him. So in this scripture, what has happened here so far is is Jesus is teaching him the temples, these Pharisees come up, they find a woman who's been caught in this act of adultery, which is one of three major sins in the laws of, of Moses with a lot of other uh, laws in there, but between murder, between stealing, and between adultery, this is what I guess they call the big three, you know. And according to the law, she is guilty. This woman has made a mistake, and she must pay for her consequences. They're saying this woman deserves judgment. And Now, this is something I teach the youth kids sometimes, that God works one of three ways when it comes to our problems and comes to these things. He either works in judgment where there's consequence for our actions and we learn that way the best. There's mercy where he pardons us from that and we learn just from that pardoning, man, this is, this is not okay. I'm so lucky that this, I got out of this situation and that's the best way I could learn from it. And then the kind of curveball is grace because you see, grace isn't just pardoning. Grace is pardoning and then giving more to a point that it wrecks the heart of the person to be like, but I wronged you. I turned away from you. I lied to you. I cheated you. And you're going to give me more? I use the analogy sometimes of the students of of stealing apples. The judgment is to steal the apple and you get punished for stealing the apple and you have to pay the price for it. The mercy is that you steal the apple and they catch you and they tell you don't do that again. And you give the apple back and they let you go. But grace that God gives as you steal the apple, you get caught. Your guilt is wrecking your heart because you're hungry. And Jesus says, I see that you're hungry. But grace says, here, here's all the apples. So you never go hungry again. So you no longer have to steal. Go and share the apples with others. And that wrecks us sometimes. And what these Pharisees are doing is they're saying judgment. They are playing God in a little bit. They're saying we know best. Judgment is the best way. You see, the problem with this is they've done something that maybe a lot, of, I think a lot of us have done. They put God in a box. And we all know when we put God in a box, that works out so great for us, right? When we make plans and we go, got it, here's how I'm going to get God to work. If I say my prayers, if, I, if I'm a good, a good spouse and I teach my kids and I put them in that Christian school, all my plans are going to work out. God has to make me do that, right? God has to. And they do this to him, and they they put him in this box. One, if Jesus agreed to the stoning, they figured if he agrees, he loses his reputation of being this loving God. Because what kind of loving God would let this woman face this consequence? But, but, if he disagrees, and he says not to do it, well, he's blatantly condoning adultery. He's breaking the law of Moses, the very law he's claiming to come and fulfill. We got him. We can look at these scriptures and the actions of the Pharisees sometimes, and we look at that going, man, this is not going to work out good for them. I, don't, I read this scripture, and I've read this story probably dozens of times, and I always think, man, these Pharisees so dumb. Why do they think that's going to work? And I scoff them off. Maybe a lot of you guys do the same. But the actions of the Pharisees is that it's it's easy for us to scoff them off as if we share no relation to them. But in us scoffing off their actions, we are continuing their legacy of forgetting our need for a Savior. You see, when we see that and they go, how could they do that? They're done. They're not who Jesus is. As we scoff them off, I think sometimes it's hard for us to point a light back at ourselves and see, where am I doing the same? You see, when it comes to the law, the law's purpose is key here in what they're trying to do. Their purpose is they think it's to make them feel like they are closer to God and that they are perfect anointed and they they, they have the right to join God and his kingdom. And it's law that these consequences from there to hold each other accountable so that people would not want to do these things because they feared the consequence. But the problem with that is that that's not the purpose. We should fear God, not consequences. We should, we should live our lives for God, not because we're afraid of the outcome, but because we know that he is the key to everything. Amen. The law's purpose was not for man to hold accountability, but the law's purpose was to reveal our guilt our true need for a savior if we don't hear these laws and see that's me oh that's me that's my mother-in-law that's me <laughs> and that's my neighbor who really needs Jesus more than any of us we don't we don't recognize our need for a savior But it continues on in this. And it continues with what I love to call the two words, the glue of the entire gospel message. The whole message of Jesus. These very two words, if you want to write them down, put them bold across the front of your Bible. The message that I think these two words can just change everything when it comes to the ministry of Jesus. The two words being but Jesus. You see, these people try to put Jesus in a box and they think it's going to be this way or that way because that's how God works, how I tell him to work. And sometimes I'm guilty of doing the same. But Jesus. It continues on if you read in verse 6. It says, But then, but Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And then it says in verse 7, as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said, let him who is without sin among you be the first to cast stone. Now, what's cool about this scripture is I was reading into this and so many people um, have read the scripture and went, what is he writing? What's going on? And in diving into this, the word that's there for write in the Greek is the word is katagrapho. And grapho means to write. It just means to write things down. So it says Jesus was writing, but the kata means against someone's accord it's against someone so he's writing against somebody most likely the people who stand to judge this woman and what Jesus is doing in this as he's writing this down He's not just writing down their mistakes and their shortcomings to make them feel guilty. No, no. What's amazing about this scripture to me is Jesus, as he's writing down, proved his love by revealing how much grace he's already given to everyone standing around the woman. The grace that they weren't even ready to offer her. He starts writing in the ground and saying, I already offered it to all you. Why not her? Without saying a word and then saying, fine, you want to do this? By writing the accord to the people who chose to throw this woman's sin literally in the light, the light of the world. They're they're standing here seeing their grace given as he challenges them without saying a word and just writing that but Jesus moment. Saying, fine, I will show you the grace I've given you and you tell me if you are ready to throw the stone as if she's undeserving of it, just as you are. It says there again in verse 7 and through 8, it says, it says in verse 8, and once more he bent down and he wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, until Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Isn't this such a great representation of us you see jesus continues by saying let he without sin cast the first stone challenging them back saying fine if you're going to give this woman an identity by making her mistake her entire life and that's what's going to hinge the end of her life then look at yours in this ground and remember you need a savior too You see, I think sometimes as Christians, we think because of these Pharisees, they felt that they had the authority of God because they did the right things. They thought because we follow these laws of Moses, we have this authority and we're allowed to to use it how we please. And sometimes I am so guilty of this, and maybe you are too. Because, you see, we think, well, we're, we represent the light of the world. I come to church. I go to the small groups. I do the Bible studies. I do financial peace. peace plug for John that It's pretty cool. We do all the right things. I pray at dinner time. I tithe my money. And then we think that we have the freedom to use the authority as lights of the world in any which way we please. In a sense, what we think we do as lights of the world, we think sometimes when it comes to people in the church, especially as the church. We are supposed to be the light of the world representation. People are supposed to look at us and see nothing but love and this grace written in the ground, written in his blood that came from the cross. But instead we represent the light and we kind of think of ourselves as a flashlight. We come to church and we have our darkness. All of us do. That's why we need a savior. But when someone's darkness gets a little close to our light, We just start shining in people's faces. We think we have the authority to go when people we, we feel threatened by our darkness and our sin. And the enemy keeps telling us, you are that mistake. You are that thing. We go, oh, oh, but they did this. Look at them. With trembling hands, we say, but they, look at them. Look at their darkness. And as the saying goes, Christians sometimes are the only groups of people who shoot their wounded. We disown people from the church. We stop loving them. And I'm telling you right now, this wrecked my heart. Not only have I done this, I've been currently doing it. It's my own family. I see my darkness and I see my things and I shine a light on my family. And I say, but look what they're doing. Look at their wrong. I had, I had an incident recently in my life where someone's darkness came a little closer to the light and I began to shine my flashlight bright on it, thinking it's my authority as, a, as a, a man of God, as someone who's in the church, as someone that does what he's supposed to do. I play all the parts. I uphold this law that I could shine light on this person and say, you need to fix what you're doing. Your darkness is getting a little close to mine. And I got the light. I'm taking yours. And I was thinking about this, and this person came to me and and apologized for their darkness. I thought, man, how do I find it in my heart to forgive them for what they did? Lord Jesus, help me. And then I felt God telling me, well, what did you do the other times they wronged you? And I thought, and I went, I don't remember. I don't remember. And then there was my answer, God saying, Because they never did. And then I thought, of all the times I wronged them without them knowing I did. And never once was there a light back in my face. You see, I think this person's only mistaken their life, and I'm shining a light on it as I look at my mistakes that could have cost them understanding who a Savior was as I was supposed to represent them with my light. You see, sometimes I think what this light of the world really is, as authorities, is like a candle. You see, as we, as we shine uh, this candle, as we try to bring it closer to someone else's light, it shines both ways. Because you see, when we, when we shine this on somebody else, the flame comes back at us. When we gossip about the person, we tell someone, did you hear what so-and-so did over here? Can you believe that? Can you believe that Joe made fun of his wife for taking him line dancing yesterday because it was so awful? I'm sorry to you all, but line dancing and country music is a direct result of the fall of man. I'm sorry. it's my one plug. Amen. Can I get an amen? Thank you. But when we hold this here, Miner's writing that down. <laughs> Just let you know that <laughs> As we shine this light and we start to gossip that way, it's starting to show our darkness back. People don't see, oh, yeah, that's how it is. People who are true authority of the light of the world look at you and go, what are you doing? You see the light you're shining? It's shining right back on you. Why do you care about what they're doing? If they have a problem with it, why don't you go to them? Why don't you meet them on the ground where they are, as Jesus did, and as he did to this woman? And this is where the enemy works the best. You see, the enemy is often sometimes called the accuser, and he loves reminding us of what we've done. He loves reminding us of our darkness. He he likes reminding us of what you've done, what you've said, and what you set out to do, but then you failed miserably so that you feel that you need to walk further away from the light because you're afraid that other people will see. But when it comes to this scripture, again, Jesus, that but Jesus moment, in verses 8 through 11 here, it says, and once more when he bent down, and when they heard this, they went away. In verse 10, he stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? As they stand there alone. And she says, no one, Lord. And Jesus says again, then neither do I. Go from now and sin no more. Offering this woman grace. For all we know, this woman had a minor lapse of judgment and made a mistake out of the fear of her darkness being brought to the light. And that's where the enemy loves to tell us. He loves to drive us further and further to the darkness where we're making circles. We're lost, telling us there's shortcuts to get back to the light until we fall on our face like we're running through a dark hallway trying to outrun the dark only to come to light and hit our bunk beds and look stupid. And then looks to God and says, is this what you call your authority? Is this what you call your bride? This is what you call family and community? And scoffs at us. But Jesus... When the enemy reminds us of what we did and what we said and what we set out to do and we failed, by his grace, he says, you are not what you did, you are not what you said, you are not your mistake. One of the most motivating speeches and sermons I've ever heard came from our very own Mike Bartell, an elder at this church, and it hit me so hard. I remember sitting in this back one of my first weeks, and it hit me like a ton of bricks because he says, because they know you by your mistake, not by your name. And you feel that so much that's who you see in the mirror. You don't see a person. You don't see a child of God. Your identity has been ripped of you because the enemy tells you in your head, you're not Joseph, a son of the most high God who loves you. You're the liar. You're the cheater. You're the one whose dad doesn't want to be in your life. Why would he want you? And it gets so real in our heads that we start to believe that my name is not Joseph. I'm the kid that always had to fight to belong. But Jesus says, when Satan is reminding you of your mistakes, and he constantly reminds you of your past, and he's driving at you, look what you've done in the past.